0: Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Listener, it's Britain, and I'm recording under the rain here on a Friday, Venus's day. I don't know if you can hear it, but I moved to under my skylight in case you could, because I imagine that if you can hear the rain, it would feel soothing and enveloping and cozy wherever you are. I'm excited to share this conversation today with Natasha Levenger, who's an old friend of Moon to Moon. I think this might be Natasha's fourth time, maybe fifth. You can go back into the history if you like our vibe (laughs) and we did one on Aries and inner child healing I think that one's called parenting your triggers that one's really good there's one on inner child healing I think that was in 2021 another 2021 was a episode focused on the element of air because Natasha is an Aquarius which is an air sign and I think that was her first time on. We have so much fun talking with each other. You'll you'll hear our vibe is very like quick banter, lots of laughing. It's unstructured. We always go in with kind of a loose idea of what we want to talk about, and then we just go. Um, So it just unfolds, (laughs) and basically we just run out of time, and that's how we end the conversation. But Natasha just is a fountain of wise words. And I love our friendship so much because... She's very attuned, you know? Like, Natasha really hears you and sees you and witnesses you. And Natasha holds her own energy. She has excellent boundaries. And that helps me feel really safe inside the friendship. She's wise. She's experienced. Her wisdom is lived in. And this is why I love to share her voice with others because Moon to Moon is really a space for lived wisdom, lived experience, as opposed to what we can call, say, expertise, yes? Which isn't to say that people on here aren't experts, but what are they experts at? Being themselves, (laughs) gathering their own information, and sharing that information if it might be helpful to someone else. That's really what I'm into. And Natasha's got a lot of that. Before I get into the conversation, I just want to share some updates on my end here from the end of October. Life is really great. Cave Space just started. It feels super yummy. From the beginning of um, my teaching career as an astrologer, which has been since the beginning, because I'm, um, I'm like here to hold spaces uh, as a life card hierophant and teacher my whole life. I've always been interested in experiential containers, where the information that is being brought forth is important, but there's also other ways of knowing that are activated, meaning it's not just an intellectual activation, but it's also an emotional, a spiritual, and a somatic slash physical form of knowing that we're calling in. And offering this particular container on Scorpio wisdom, Pluto wisdom, Mars wisdom, underworld mythology wisdom, and inviting other people to share their modalities for healing and growth and play and practice in these areas and domains of life, including Natasha, who has an incredible teaching and meditation on healing codependency like the energetics of codependency in the body and identifying that energy and healing it can you can you even fathom how big that is like oh my gosh (sighs) that offering alone Her offering is one of 14 different offerings that I commissioned from different healers and space holders and astrologers and readers and teachers to help us with that realm, which is Scorpio, which we all are because we are all the signs and we all have Scorpio inside of us. So... It's not too late to join. There is no late with this. It's an evergreen offering, but if you're into doing this in Scorpio season, and if you're interested in joining me live when I have the different meetups on Wednesdays during Scorpio, please, I'll include the link in the bio. So come meet me and Natasha inside of that container. Let's get to Natasha's bio, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about our topic so Natasha Levenger of Highest Light Healing is a therapeutic, intuitive, and inner child healing expert who helps people connect to their intuition and heal what is blocking it. She is author of the upcoming book, Healing Your Inner Child, and host of the podcast, Getting to Know Woo. Her tra- trauma-informed approach is infused with humor and compassion After growing up with narcissistic abuse and the resulting relational trauma, she felt a fire underneath her to know and trust herself. After getting a BA in human development that coincided with therapy, she went on to learn energy healing in a variety of disciplines. The result transformed her connection, love, and trust in herself, and she became passionate about helping others heal their disconnection from who they truly are. Using a mix of energy reading and healing model that involves the chakra system, inner child mind healing, and mindful self-compassion, she has helped hundreds of people to heal their own trauma. Through her practice, Highest Light Healing, she helps people through sessions with her, classes, workbooks, and guided meditations. Sign up for her newsletter with more tips and tools on deeper self-connection and healing. When you do, you receive three meditations, including connecting to your inner child, chakra healing, and connecting to your future self. Natasha lives in Asheville, North Carolina with her husband, two children, and currently 14 rescue animals. Oh, Natasha, what a beautiful bio. I've loved watching your bio evolve and shift over the years that we have been witnessing and celebrating one another as friends and colleagues in the field of woo. (laughs) So our topic is unshaming your woo. And it's inspired by her new podcast, Getting to Know Woo. You may know Natasha from her previous podcast, Magic Monday. I was a guest on Magic Monday many times. It was a weekly show because it came out on Mondays every single week. They had many, many fabulous guests. She co-hosted it with Tess Whitehurst, who's a, a wonderful woo and witchy person. Very magical. And now Natasha's in a new chapter. And it's her own podcast that she co-hosts with her husband, Brett. And I was a guest on the number three episode, which she titled Getting to Know Astrology with Britt and LaRue. And honestly, that conversation with Natasha will... <laughs> it's very moving to me. It, it was it, like something very magical happened. And I shared my most updated, present time way of talking about astrology and relating to astrology that has been uh, emerging, emerging for me with the birthing of Astrology as Praxis, my new year-long learning container that I co-facilitate and have co-created with Jonathan Coe. So... Um, yeah, astrology as praxis has been like a huge, uh, um, birth canal and landed me in a place where I feel like I'm much more able to describe my approach to astrology than I was before when I was reaching for it in the dark, honestly, was reaching for it in the dark. And Astrology as Praxis has been helping me identify, name, and share what we're doing. Um, So I invite you to go check out that conversation with Natasha, number three on getting to know Wu, and then dive into all of Natasha's other new episodes. It's very exciting to start a podcast, y'all. I have many people in my community who are dreaming of one. They're longing for one. They feel one seated inside of them and they want to build it. I love coaching people through the process of that birth. Um, There's a lot that comes up, a lot of fear. When you have this vision and you're like, will anyone listen? Does anyone want to hear what I want to talk about? It brings up a lot. And I... uh, I just think it's such a beautiful thing when we launch ourselves into this risky endeavor because our passion for it is so powerful that we cannot help but do otherwise, you know, like the podcast cannot help but move through oneself once it's like that hot because you, you got to have it hot <laughs> for it to burn through the fear and the doubts and the self-criticism and all the reservations and the shame, the shame that people might not want to hear what you have to say. So shame is a topic that has been coming up in Natasha and I's casual Voxer conversations. Voxer is this app where you can leave each other voice messages and we just like to drop each other things that are on our minds, things that are coming up in our healing, things that come up in our business, things that come up with clients. You may hear my dog barking. This is a dog loving zone. And shame, we both feel like shame is just like a really powerful, potent zone right now. Like shame is coming up everywhere. It's hot, everyone's realizing, like, oh my gosh, I'm carrying so much shame around this. I even joked, um, this is kind of a dark humor that was like, shame is the new trauma. <laughs> I don't mean that like shame is trauma, although it's, it can be very related to trauma. I just mean like orange is the new black, like as in a few years ago, all of a sudden collectively, we just like hopped online to trauma. Like, wait, what? I have trauma? Like, I have trauma responses? Huh? The body keeps the score? That's a reference to this book that will change your life. If you've never heard of it, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And I feel like what's happened collectively in this shift from being like trauma ignorant to trauma informed has been so massive thank goodness, you know, it's a wild time to be alive. We need these tools. What are the modalities that can help us? And I feel like broadening the conversation around shame and broadening the skill set around shame is like, then feels like that's the emerging zone, you know? Like, oh, well, yeah, let's just talk about it. Because as Brene Brown says, I read this when I was doing research to talk about shame for the devil card in my Capricorn workbook, where because Capricorn is the astrological sign associated with the card in the tarot of the devil. Brene Brown was, says that shame lives in silence. Shame grows in silence. And part of growing what she calls shame resilience is in talking about shame and sharing our shame. And that really stuck with me. And so when I wanted to have her on to come talk about getting to know Wu, I was like, you know, we gotta talk about shame and Woo. Because, like, let's talk about it. Let's be transparent. It's weird to show how woo we are because we're dealing with, like, the parts of us that are sh- feel ashamed for feeling witnessed and being different or being um, so mystical, for being so, like, pseudoscience, being so trusting in our own intuition and not needing someone's validation, all the things that can come up with the word woo, that's like a whole zone, you know? And a lot of people hide their woo. Like they won't bring it up with certain people. They won't let people at work find out. They don't even want their husband to know or whatever. Their parents, their sibling. Think about it in yourself, listener. Do you hide your woo from someone? You know what that feels like. So many people come to me sharing like, I want to get deeper into this, but da da da, da 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 because there's a lot of shame that comes from Christian hegemony, patriarchy, but, you know, there's a lot. And so let's talk about it, because that unshaming begins by making this conversation visible and normative and open and more safe. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Natasha Unshaming shaming your woo. I will give you a little note on the other side. Cheers. Welcome back to Moon to Moon, Natasha. Yay, happy to be here. <laughs> I think you are, you and Jonathan are my most, is this a word guested? You're my most guest, one of my most guested guests. <laughs> well,
1: if it isn't, I like it. I like being the source of a new
0: word. <laughs> Yay. Yes, how honoring. <laughs> I was thinking about um what. This t- what we want to talk about, we've been going back and forth in Voxer, which yeah. is our channel for conversation, yeah. dropping messages, getting excited about things. Yes. And I was thinking Great. to encapsulate the topic uh would be unshaming your woo.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> I love it. Do we have love a title?
1: <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah I was telling you so I have a new podcast now called getting to know woo and um the that was my impetus in a lot of ways I guess I didn't think about the shame like I didn't use that word but that's definitely what it is for me is how just I feel um woo woo stuff or like tools that are extremely powerful, extremely transformative are often reduced as being um, flighty or for other people. Or I I have said this before on the podcast, but it's like, I feel like it's either thought of as like so special and for other people, like being psychic or something is something only Mm -hmm. certain people have access to, or it's bogus and it's not real or, you know, um, it's just like stupid, you know, it's for dumb people. (laughs) Um, so anyway, but the, we've talked about this, but the woo woo tools, um, that I discovered were the most powerful, not that I discovered them, but the ones that I came across that were, that I've Um, use are uh, that I didn't invent is what I'm saying. But, you know, when I found them, they were the most powerful for me. So, yeah, like, I mean, I often want to say, you know, I totally believe in therapy. I believe in medication for mental health and whatever works for anyone. I'm not evangelical about anything, but therapy for me was helpful to a point. I mean, it was I. I'm a narcissist abuse survivor. And for me, therapy was super helpful for validation, like hearing, oh yes, your mom, this is narcissism, you know, like having that validated for me, especially because one of the hallmarks of, uh, of having narcissist abuse is not validating yourself because you always had to validate the narcissist. So that part of therapy and also just understanding it on a psychological level was super helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was like, okay, I understand it, but it's not helping me feel better past that understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And that for me, is where all these like energy healing tools and inner child work and I mean, it's somatic experiencing all of those other tools. I don't know if that's t- like totally considered woo-woo somatic experiencing, but there's definitely somatic tools that people might think are woo-woo. Um, anyway, all of that are the things that really helped me to heal in a in
0: a lasting way. Yeah. What would you say classify something as woo? Yeah, that's a good question.
1: I think, I don't know. I mean, does society determine what is woo? I guess it's just like anything that is not mainstream healing, I guess. I don't even know. I mean, it's like I grew up in Northern California, so I grew up steeped in it. <laughs> I didn't even know that term, actually. Is that a new? I don't even know. I should probably know if that's like a new term. Grew?
0: Yeah. yeah. I never had heard of it till in the last decade. Oh, yeah. It, it was not like a word in Texas I grew up hearing yeah. people would say things like, um, "Oh, that's really hippie, hippie, yeah. hippie," and stuff like yeah.
1: that. Yeah,
0: and like my family, parts of my family, would say, "Full blown California is the land of fruits and nuts." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking that was so weird because my mom would take us to California, she's Minnesota. <laughs> She would yeah. take us and just be like, this is the greatest place. Like California oh, is the, the, the homeland of like, um, feeling safe inside yourself. Mm, um, that's probably spoke to us a longing. She may have had to feel more free in her yeah. connection to her spirit. Totally. Um, but yeah, I hadn't heard woo maybe until we, I moved to Hawaii and I oh. was talking about, oh, like I'm really woo. So And that was like a way of letting me know, like, maybe I believe in, um, tools that aren't maybe scientifically proven, but, uh, are more like my spirit connects to it. And so I trust it. And my own sense of trusting that something helps me is what I need for validation that it works. And I don't need any more evidence. Totally. So there's yeah. something really bold in, in following your woo in that way. Would you say that's true?
1: Well, I love that. I love that take on it. I mean, so I will say, so I grew up in, I moved when I was 11 to Northern California. Before that, I lived a lot of places, partially in New York City. My parents are were born and raised in New York City. Um, So I had that kind of, but the weird thing is, I'm not sure why I'm bringing that up, but I'll just keep going with it. Oh, I know why I thought of it was that I was also in comedy for a long time. And it's like definitely the comedy world makes fun of woo-woo stuff. And even me. So I will out myself because I used to write for My Little Pony. And I wrote this. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Which is not a comedy that I was talking about but <laughs> did you you knew that right
2: no I oh you know. didn't
1: oh.
0: oh my gosh! my daughter's like whole childhood is wrapped in the rainbows of oh
1: wow mommy. I didn't know it's that such a big deal in our house oh wow that's so funny <laughs> but they're older now right so they don't yeah um but even I, I wrote a character totally making fun of woo-woo stuff. And it was, I forget, I even forget what her name was. It was like tree something,
0: I think. My daughters could tell you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Someone even made me, some really nice fan made me a stuffed animal of it, like created a plushie of it that I have. I really should know her name. But I actually did love that character, but because I knew it so well, I could also make fun of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also because I knew what it was like to be made fun of as that or I knew all the jokes that would happen if I was like really out in my Mm -hmm. woo-ness. I mean it is like coming out of the closet as a witch it's like the same thing but even now witchiness maybe it's just my little bubble but it does feel like there's a lot of respect towards Mm -hmm. you know witchiness in a way that's not, cause I don't feel connected to that word. I mean, I probably am a witch, but I don't feel super connected to that word.
0: Yeah. I feel like just at a gut feeling, um, perhaps in your, Echo chamber or your like your your feed, (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) that it may feel more respected because I do feel like which carries um tones of having like a political stance, um, Mm. toward uh, that's like anti patriarchal Mm -hmm. and for um, protecting the marginalized where yeah. who kind of doesn't carry to me as much of like a stance um yeah and maybe that's because it's kind of floating around like that maybe that's why as an orientation um it like doesn't have as much of a clear group yeah aggregating a lot of power around it
1: yeah and also I guess witchcraft itself is really old it's like It has a, it has a history. There's definitely what you can point to it, what it is. Whereas (laughs) woo is still like even energy healing is such a big umbrella. I'm really glad we're talking about this because it is something I struggle with even naming what I do. Like maybe I just need to come up with a new name for what I do and just own it and just be like, this
0: is it I
1: like I'm waiting for somebody else to say what it is you know mm.
0: because
1: energy or to say yeah because energy healing like there's reiki there's the kind I do which is basically healing the chakra like well I don't know. I mean that's the thing it's very like I heal the pictures and the chakras but also the energy field the past life you know it's a whole thing that we energy healing doesn't really sum up and yeah most people don't have a sense of what is what is it like there isn't a thing that comes to mind same thing with psychic like psychic I think most people think of as telling the future but Mm -hmm. it's to me it's more being able to read into the energy of the present, you know, and being able mm-hmm. to see, and maybe a little bit into the future, but yeah, having psychic skills is to have, to be able to see past
0: the physical. Yeah. And it, that is very magical to me, like, yeah. Like abilities. Um, and I do think ma- magic is like another kind of yeah. like, Bubble word. Uh I feel like I'm operating in all of them. Yeah, like I have. It's like I have allegiances to all, but I tend to be a kind of person that doesn't like to be in a category. And so Mm. I just, I just, I love them all, and I don't need to be. I'm not like in an identification. But I almost wonder if, like, what you might be getting at with the historical base of the word witch can point to a kind of work that maybe we're both interested in that sort of like you're right doesn't really even necessarily have a word yet because it's kind of coming in as a
1: mm.
0: almost like an alien future um mm. technology if that makes oh,
1: sense again i like that you're really making this <laughs> so extra powerful and special, which is the opposite of shaming. So that's what I was starting Mm -hmm. to say. I mean, I remember, so when I used to do improv, um, that's actually when I was also studying the work that I do now, all the, you know, psychic energy healing stuff that I'm doing now. And I remember one time I I was doing it with a friend of mine. It was very like gorilla (laughs) style. This was before, lots of people I mean this was 2001, 2002. so it was like there weren't online classes really that I knew of anyway. Mm-hmm. So the school that it's based in San Francisco and I called them and they were like, well, we have a teacher in New York so she could teach you And so she just taught us and she still is I trade with her now all the time <laughs> like but it was just her and me and my friend in my apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> for like two years, like every week. And anyway, so, and we were also, me and this friend were also doing improv, like studying improv at the same time. And I thought that was going to be my life, like writing comedy. And that's what I thought. This was just to help me get over, well, help me heal my narcissist abuse, help me get out of a toxic relationship, which it did. And then I also realized that wasn't a good environment for me, but I don't even know if the story is um, interesting, but I'm going to go with it anyway. So one time I, came, I was meeting my friend at this bar and she was like in the middle of t- these two guys that were like big, the big comedy guys that they were also my friend, our friends. But it was like I really looked up to them comedy wise. And she was telling them about what we were doing. And I was like, what are you Doing? You can't tell them. I was so embarrassed. Yes. And ashamed because they, I knew they were like going to think that was the most stupid thing ever. I mean, it was so looked down on or that's what I thought. And it ended up being nothing. Like this was mostly my fear. So part of the work in our, in my classes, when we learned it, we used gold roses to um to like for many things it's like one of the psychic tools and she was telling him about this gold rose and i was like stop it. so anyway she left and then he was actually just really funny about it because there was like some uh, not safe looking part like this person was being like boundary didn't have boundaries around us and this guy was like I'm picturing a certain a certain flower of a certain color (laughs) he was like making fun he was making fun of it but he was also doing it in a sweet way it wasn't like so shaming but he was just bringing it back but I was like okay maybe this isn't so terrible maybe I don't have to be so ashamed because he was being you know it was like all in good fun it wasn't you know But yeah, there was so for me one of the biggest things coming into my like owning what I do now was healing my relationship to comedy.
0: Fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was because of the invalidation energy of it being such like a thing to mock. Well, male (laughs) dominant,
1: yes, that's probably a lot of it. I wasn't even thinking that term. In those terms, even though I definitely think the reason that Woo stuff is derided and looked down on is because of the patriarchy, because those tools are very, you know, you know, willpower, get through it, do whatever, do, you know, all these things, and the more feminine things like feeling your feelings and feeling your energy that's invalidated. So that's definitely part of it, but it was. And that was the whole culture. Like it was just an easy joke. Not that people used it all the time or anything, but it was definitely a joke, the butt of a joke. If somebody was like an energy healer or something. Yes.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's such a lifetime ago, but yeah, it's just like instant joke. Um, Yes. But also like one of the first things that I would hear if someone was an artist if someone did anything that just wasn't like tied to a degree that was going to get another degree and then make a bunch Uh, of money. But the question was like, how do you make any money in that? This was always the core core question. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I've always been in like around artists because I was, it went before I was doing this, I was, you know, doing acting and writing and stuff. So that for me, wasn't part of it. And actually, even my mom was an actor when she was really young. But um, yeah, but the even that like in the artist community, even it's still thought of as like or then it was and thought of as being like flighty and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. um, and when I started getting clients from the comedy world, at first it really freaked me out
0: because I was like oh you mean years later or back then yes
1: years later I was like oh no like why are they even coming to me they must think this is (laughs) why are they
0: even coming to me oh yeah
1: yeah it was I had a lot of healing to do around around that but yeah it definitely and in spite of all that it's truly the thing that changed my life like help me to have have boundaries help me to know who I am we talked about this when you came on my podcast you had that same experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah in many ways for me it's kind of a miracle that um I had one world view or it was like that just like wasn't a world that I entertained like which mm. is not fully true because starting in my 20s I uh, read this um, this huge book called Healing with Whole Foods,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it relies a lot on like traditional Chinese medicine. And so I started getting into traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, but always like it was like a private world thing that I was doing mostly to lose weight let's Uh be honest (laughs) um or like deal with like the what's wrong with me like Mm -hmm. it was always like a is there a solution to my problem in here the ultimate problem being that I'm fucked up in some way yeah you know so I wasn't really going to them from a from a place that like now I would counsel my younger self to, Mm -hmm. to go to it too for, for different reasons. Yeah. But, um, so I was always interested in these kind of like old medicine traditions and I always, um, I, I've been seeing an acupuncturist and like, I've been to considered massage therapy, yoga as tools that were extremely impactful, but like that, not beyond that, like not Mm -hmm. energy healing, not astrology, not the tarot, not, um, there was sort of like a, a wall there there's yeah. just a wall yeah. and then so that's why i feel like it's sort of miraculous that i entered this moment in my life where it was like why wouldn't i attend this class on intuitive mm. healing and try it out and and then change my world like so you had a similar experience
1: well i want to ask you how did that feel for you like
0: were you embarrassed to tell people like in your um, world I think, let's be. Let, if I'm being honest, behind the shift in the worldview was moving from Texas to Maui, mm-hmm. and so I was in an environment um, where I suddenly was more of like a basic kind of person, you know. Oh, like, <laughs> where in doubt. People in Maui would get the biggest laugh. Like it was a, it was a way that I could um endear myself to people when I would make a joke that in Dallas I was the most bohemian person <laughs> people uh-huh. knew. And then they'd laugh because like they're looking at me thinking like how uh-huh. not bohemian I look, you know? Um <laughs> so I think by having a shift in my social ecosystem, uh-huh. it felt available to me. Um
1: but what about when you came back to Dallas? Yeah, when I came
0: back though <laughs> there's so much shame there because I think that I felt I just decided that like, no one would want to be friends with me anymore. Um, yeah, it was just sort of like, I'm making, but maybe
1: that's kind of true in your circle. Like if you're being real and authentic with yourself, maybe you had outgrown those people, not like you're better than them, but just like you outgrew each other's interests
0: yeah I think it's a complicated mix of a lot of things Mm. I think a lot of it's just sort of like true kind of natural falling away from contracts that comes once people move into big growth spurts and Mm. they're not kind of interested in the same things anymore yeah um a lot of it has to do with like the strongholds of um purity culture marriage culture straight culture Mm, um capitalist culture in Dallas, like it is an intense place. Um, and a lot, some of it came from my own pre-assuming that you all meaning people here don't want to know about who I am now. Mm-hmm. Like I just went ahead and like pre assumed.
1: to that. Okay. I did too with it's my comedy, comedy people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I I take responsibility for the ways in which I didn't give people an opportunity to embrace me for who I would have coming into. And I would say it's been in the last year that I'm allowing myself to, to, to give opportunities to folks from my former life, you could say to, um, be interested and not just assume Mm. that they don't want to hear about it, right? Of course, mine was complicated by my divorce happening at the same time. And Mm. so they're also just being this like very real, Mm. alive judgment that divorced women are like gonna ruin marriages and like husbands legitimately don't want their wives to be with me because I'm gonna like poison their marriage. Like I'm not making
1: I believe you, I think, and no offense to Texans, but I think that might be why I hate Texas. Like, I can't stand it. I can't stand being there. Like, it feels like my body is like, oh, I wonder if that's part. Sorry, Texans. I mean, you know, I have so many. I know a lot. I love you. I, My good friend Tanya's lives in texas like there's many great people in texas but it's just the energy itself of the place i'm like uh, i've been ever speaking my little pony for brony cons for some reason that's like this thing that people my little pony conventions i have (laughs) been to dallas houston austin and every all of them i'm just like oh i can't
0: they yeah go on what i will say is that um I used to resent Dallas because I thought dominant Dallas was all of Dallas. Uh I was always like sad to live here and resenting myself for Mm. still living here, Uh. even though I knew I didn't want to live here. Yeah. But when I came back home and um, my life was rebirthed after my um, separation, I, I committed to living here. And then what happened as I started to magnetize? People that aren't dominant culture, yeah. Dallas. Yeah. Discover that there's like com- amazing people here and yeah, wonderful yeah. subcultures and yeah. a completely rich ecosystem of difference. Yeah. I just couldn't see it before when I thought I was stuck and in a prison and had no choice.
1: Yeah. Well, so like- I was going to say something about that because, like, for instance, I'm like, oh God, people are going to judge me, right? In the comedy world. But meanwhile, I'm sure. I, I was the opposite of you. And I'm sure they all thought of me that way anyway, or at least like it was not a shocker when I started <laughs> doing this. You know, it's not like her, what? I've had people say to me, literally, are you a vegetarian? Just like <laughs>
0: they think. Like from the couple con- lines of a conversation. Yeah.
1: Just from my energy. They think I'm a vegetarian. Are um, you? um, I I am well no I don't eat cows or pigs okay. I feel really bad about the other meat if that helps, if that if helps? Really, that's a whole other story I really want to be it's like my kids it's just hard to be a vegetarian with kids anyway it's that's a whole other story but the point being it's like we assume I feel bad when I said about Texas. it's just me it's just me it's not me it's not you're, you're you, Texas. To have
0: your own response to, to, to
1: Texas. I know. <laughs> I just want people insult where I live, I'm like, fuck you. Am I allowed to swear in here? Can I swear? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand if you were sent me, but um, it's just my energy with Texas. I don't know. Maybe I was murdered there in a past life or something. Mm-hmm. It just feels bad. But anyway, um, yeah, so like the point being is that. Yeah. When we have, especially when we have shame with anything, we're looking at it through a shame filter. Mm -hmm. And so, and that is, you know, actually I've been thinking about this goes along with what I was, I've been thinking lately about narcissism and how, um, narcissists like, we'll say my mom, but I think this is true of narcissist energy. It's very black and white. There's no nuance. So it's very like, this is what's happening. It's either you're in or you're out. You're, you know, the worst or you're the best. And there's no room for nuance. And when you are shamed and when you feel ashamed and you're in your, you're the worst energy, then there's no nuance. Like you think, or, you know, I think the shame makes you feel like, Oh, everybody hates me or everyone's not going to like this. I need to, like you said, keep everyone out ahead of time to protect myself but it's really like actually rejection of self and not allowing for the nuance of I'm a lot of things. And this is one of the things that I am. And I love this thing about me.
0: <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. I feel like the, the perennial fear or dread mm. behind my shame is like am I a good person or am I a bad person? Oh, right. It's like that polarity or that um, mm. binary. Yeah. And like, how, like to your point, how quickly, like, I'm a good person until 2 PM and this thing happens and now I'm a horrible person.
1: Yeah. You mean, because right? at 2 PM, someone hurt your feelings. Like or if, if
0: shame comes up. Yeah, I yeah. swept into this vortex of yes. the uncertainty of am I a good person or a bad person because blank. And like for fee, for me, like one of the hotter zones for this in 2022 has been my awareness of it and parenting. Like mm. I choose, um, say so my spiritual tools, my woo tools have, mm-hmm. have helped me see that this idea of being selfless, like not having a self mm-hmm. is, um, it is like shockingly, uh, unloving, um, mm. and not in alignment with who, I, who I am, who we all are. As well, what guys.
1: do you mean by that? Tell me the idea
0: of like, when people say like, she's so selfless, like it's a big thing. Uh,
1: like, sh- like you don't have boundaries and you let everybody
0: know can- more. Like you're so giving like, right.
1: I mean like you're so giving to the point of like not looking at your own boundaries. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's what it is.
0: Like right will help us see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so because I'm I have like a like um a merged picture. What what do you call that? When when uh, coupled, when things are coupled. Uh-huh. I have a coupling. This is a vocab word from <laughs> And the energy of the world, right? Is it energy yeah. healing? The best well, uh, I think. Somatic so psychology experience. too. Yeah,
1: the somatic experience. I think I first heard about it from Louise actually. From oh, okay.
0: The somatic experience. So uh, there's definitely a coupling for me of like motherhood equals um, selflessness, selflessness, right? Mm-hmm. And so let's say it's a weekend where I don't have my daughters and I'm there are things that I want to do at that time. Maybe I want to work because when I have my daughters, I'm a single parent doing everything. Right. Yeah. So not having them is this time for me to get things done. Yeah. Well, maybe I just want to have fun. Maybe I just want to lay around in bed. You know, yeah. yeah. It doesn't, it's like these, these, uh, these levels of like, what is enough to justify, say, if my daughter has a soccer game and I, but I'm not in charge of getting her there because it's not quote unquote my weekend. Yeah allowing myself to be like, I'm going to miss that. Yeah. And not go into this big spiral of shame around it. Mm, that you're
1: um, bad,
0: that I'm a bad mother.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. But like, I never could see until I was doing this work, the energy, right. It's like being able to see the energy of what I think my contract is say with mm. my daughters.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: And, and how it, it's not in alignment with who I want to be as like a full, whole human being, you mm-hmm. know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, for I was going to say that you merge with the inner child that thinks, oh no, I'm either bad or good. And this is a bad thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: For yeah. me, it's, um, I mean, maybe we're saying this what? <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had, I started to tell you like who lately it's been a lot of that, like just noticing, Oh, I am merged with the inner child right now. Okay. That's not real. It's not true. If I'm feeling bad about myself for some reason, mm-hmm. it's just, that's how she feels right. And this is how this part of me feels. It's not the truth, but yeah, our inner child parts have a very, well, yeah, because I was going to say a black and white view of things. And especially if you were raised in an environment where that was enforced, even if you didn't have narcissistic parents, but parents who felt that way about themselves, if they're Mm -hmm. reflecting that back to you, then that's how you're going to feel. And for me, I don't, maybe we're saying the same thing, but for me, it's like, not just I'm a bad person, but there's something wrong with me. Like something obviously wrong with me that makes me, yeah, I guess not good, but like, Mm -hmm. unlike one, for me, the big thing is unlikable. And so if something happens, to trigger that. And I go into that place. It's just then the filter. I mean, this is true. Whenever we merge with an inner child, like it's just the, the filter of whatever it is comes across our whole way of thinking, our whole energy field. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think it is, um, I mean, I guess you could call that a shaming inner child. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, understanding that on a psychological level, to get back to the woo stuff, like, yeah, it is really helpful. I mean, like, I'm reading this book forever, the CPTSD book, chronic, um, P, you know, do you know what that is? Um, CPT. Chronic PTSD. Well, PTSD. What does PTSD stand for? <laughs> Post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Right. Okay. Disorder or something. Um, so that's chronic. So that means that if it is like it's not just like an event that happened one time, but it's like if in childhood you had multiple events of this experience, then it's chronic. Mm -hmm. Anyway, reading that book is super validating, but he also has tools that we would consider woo tools. And that's where it's also for me, extra helpful. It's mostly like inner child stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Are they packaged in a way that the reader like doesn't recognize that they're in the woo when they are? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, you know,
1: I'm too in this bubble, so I don't know. I don't, cause I don't look at it like as a non-woo person, but I do think maybe if you, there is something about degrees, like you were saying, having a degree like if you have, a, he, he's a therapist. So that's a non-woo, you know, although some people way of looking at things, but some people even think therapy is woo. That's if you're true.
0: way on the other side of the woo. <laughs> hmm. Well, like, uh, oh, another word I used to hear a lot down here. I, I don't think people say this anymore, but it was prevalent in the eighties. Uh, Mambi, Pambi.
1: Oh, I've never heard that.
0: Yeah, that was a word for like, um, or at least as my child understood it, was like for weak people. Therapy oh. is for weak people. Oh. And it's like a, a pseudoscience. Why are you trusting in this sort of whatever non-structured, oh. like fake science thing that people couldn't get real degrees of medicine in? Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting because,
1: I mean, just how much shame there is around it. And I, again, I really do think it has to do with patriarchal tools being the, you know, just the patriarchy and mass toxic masculinity being the go-to way of being like setting that energy tone mm-hmm. because it's like, just, uh, you know, I've already said it, but that it's so powerful, but like, I, you know, I grew up with, um, a Jewish mom who went to Therapy for a little bit. She stopped it, but she but it's still. It was, a lot of Jews are very into therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's just like normalized, you know. It's like not a weird thing to do to go to therapy. I've been hearing about it my whole life. I think yeah. Um, and I wanted to go to therapy. That's how much I, like I remember I. Someone in our family was going to therapy and I was like, I want to go to therapy because the idea of someone actually listening to me, Mm -hmm. like, and how sad is that? I was like four when I asked my mom to go to therapy because I just was like, I just want someone to listen to me when I tell them about what's going on. Um, But anyway, all of that was normalized. And I even went to somebody who does something similar to what I do in terms of the reading when I was um, 15 for the first time. Cause like I said, I grew up in Northern California and it was like kind of everywhere. So even having all of that, I still, it's still so much in this system, you know, it's systemic, this it idea that it's yeah, not helpful.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it took so long to, um, just lead directly with, my name is Britton Larue. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm an astrologer. You know, just like just be able to like say the thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I would do this whole prelude of like, well, uh, my degrees <laughs> are in this, and I spent you know 20 years in academia, uh-huh. and then uh, so I found astrology, and it's really helpful. So I've I've been giving readings, you know, and like do this whole story instead of so oh, just yeah. being like, matter of factly, just say what you do. Yeah. I mean, honestly
1: um, you are a real helpful person for me and how much you own your um, just your talents and like, you're very outspoken about it, but I am, I within myself know how valuable what I do is. And I'm actually, I don't even take credit for it. Like I, and I mean that in a not in a bad way. Just like, I know it's coming through me and this is something I have honed these gifts. I mean, in some ways I take credit for the amount of work I put into it and learning it, but it just comes through me. But anyway, what I was going to say, and I was going to stop myself and then I'm like, I'm going to use you as an inspiration to just own this. Like sometimes I really think this work I do is really fucking powerful. Like if people really <laughs> <Yes>. do. <laughs> I mean, it's basically, it really is like therapy on steroids or like therapy. I mean, if somebody is open and even if they're not, sometimes it's like, I can see through to what the core issues are. Like I can look and see what's happening and help. And then on top of that, give you tools to help you after this. And sometimes people will spend forever in therapy, just getting comfortable with the therapist so that they feel comfortable enough to share enough so that then they can get to eventually that place. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I remember my, my teacher, Deborah Kremen saying like, um, these tools will help you do like five years of therapy in a single session, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it
1: really does feel that way to me. And so it's funny cuz I I am coming to this place of since I have healed so much, I'm now feeling for me my next step. We'll see what the universe throws at me, but it feels like my next step is um owning my power in a bigger way, like bringing that out so that I can um I mean, I'm already a channel for it, but so that I can, I don't know, um, do it in a bigger way or something like, you know, reaching more people is what I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is so, so important. Um, I, this is a big thing I do in the magician's table, helping Mm. people like just, just starting to feel like they can publicly name, um, their gifts or their modalities is like, moving through these barriers we have that we can have full compassion for why we have them. I mean, people have died for having these woo abilities yeah, over yeah, time.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: we carry like the, the traces of the, those traumas, um, when we speak our truth out there, but then like you're saying, when you realize how powerful your work is and how, when you, see people's lives be changed by it, it's like, I've got to get over this. Like, I, I just see it yeah. as like, okay, I've got to get over it. It's not, let me, let me say that more compassionately. Because yeah, it's, like, it's not getting over it. It's like, I want to give it my attention and my mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. because I can see how my own shame or that voice that's like, people don't want to hear this. Yeah. Who do you think you are talking out like that? Mm, you know. Yeah. Um, or they're probably rolling their eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, people are gonna want to mute me. Mm-hmm. Or something, whatever these mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But, like my fears are um, could potentially prevent me from like one more person who would love so much to sit yeah. with in one of my space. <sighs> you know.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I mean, I've been doing this now for five years. So obviously I'm not at the point where it's like, Oh no, do I say this thing? Like I'm saying all of it, but it's like, it's just, I, but I do notice I'm talking about my power in general, not even just in this realm, like really, I don't know coming into more of it, more of it, but um, what was I going to say about that? Shoot. Oh, but still, even after doing this for five years, like things like social media, which are designed basically to trigger our inner child.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and as I will again, say, not to talk too much of like, you know, say this, but like the, with it's like a narcissist, the yeah. yeah. Social media. So when it it's triggering to, see this, but then it's like, like if I ever get caught, I'm pretty good with Instagram now for the most part, there's one way that it still triggers me, but I don't even look at what's, what's going on. Like I used to care so much. Like, Oh, are people? I think I've been like some, I'll look at my follower accounts. I think I've been at the same number for like, I don't know, six months or something. I'm like, whatever. I don't
0: care. (laughs) I've always said it's like a narcissist lover. Yes. So fickle.
1: Yeah. It's just so like, and they design it that way. Mm -hmm. But if I ever do get into that place, then someone will comment something about how I've helped them so much. And I'm like, can you imagine if I didn't post that because I'm worried about something with Instagram, like people, you know, not enough people liking it or people not following me. And then I'm not helping people like I'm not like actually reaching that one person Mm -hmm. it is it is yeah that that's the thing about shame and just to say when you were saying I want to say this more compassionately um yeah I think that with shame it is so important even if the voice is being really mean we have talked about this before but like the inner critic to be i would say 99 of the time it needs your compassion it's just a scared it's like the bully at school that's actually a scared kid like who knows what's going on at home and so they're you know lashing out at you and it real, they really just do need 99 of the time the one percent of the time it's not your energy it's like an internalized parent and it needs to be sent back um, to the parent, to the ancestral line, like, here you go. This isn't mine, but yeah, I think that's so important. I feel like, I, I don't know if I went off on a tangent there, but
0: no, I love it. I love to think of Instagram as a place to practice my own healing because mm. as the triggers arise, it's like, well, there's the information I need for my next healing round. <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Definitely. yeah, but I think, I think a crucial thing that helped, um, shift my relationship to broadcasting myself was to just change my imagined audience from, ah, you know, I the, the hater person yes,
1: to the the like that. Love that. You.
0: Someone like you, or someone like Jonathan, just like yes. someone I know, is like I can't get enough of your newsletters. Like, yes. I them, you
1: know. <laughs> oh my god, totally. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's very brave work it to is. be an, first to be an entrepreneur at all. Like, just to be an entrepreneur at all, and put yourself out there and be like, "This is what I'm offering." This is it. Isn't you? I mean, that's part of my healing too. Is that even with me being the face of my business, it still isn't me. Yes. You know, it's not, it's just something that I am offering and I'm excited about and love to do and channel and all of that stuff, but it's not me. So if people don't want to see it, okay, they're not rejecting me, but that was a whole other healing that was necessary, mm-hmm. but that's brave work. I mean, most
0: People don't do this. <laughs> this is a true thing, and there's a lot of grief that I think people walk around with because maybe they want to, but mm. it's so frightening as a as like a the 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 work of publicly being your woo gifted self yes. as like a space of having things mirrored back to you that feel like judgment, scary projections, phantoms of invalidation, and maybe some yes. very real invalidation ju- and judgment, you know? Yeah, um, but
1: even that it's not about you.
0: I you know. know that. It isn't. Yeah. I was it's gonna never- say I think in unshaming your woo as like a topic, mm. part of it also is um learning what is a projection and like what yes. is that has nothing to do with you. I mean,
1: everything's a projection. <laughs> it is. I mean, we're all projecting onto people all the time. Yeah. Unless we're just like completely, if we are completely centered and completely in ourself, we may find like, oh, I don't resonate with that person. That's not where I want to go right now. Or that's interesting how this person is behaving. But we're not like, ugh. They're gross or they're, you know, like I yeah. project onto Dallas. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> no, but even then I wasn't, pro- I was just saying how I feel in Dallas. I did say I hate Texas. So I This I'm coming back to that. Just bring the
0: projections my way. So I work with projections all the time.
1: <laughs> you know what I should have said? I hate how I feel in right. texas and that's the truth that's that is the, the truth. truth it's, it's not you and natasha. Yes. it's not it's me it's not. A, we're coming full circle maybe we should call this uh episode natasha hates texas Or <laughs> <laughs> right, it's not about you natasha well it's really true i will just say though like i said i know we have to wrap up but like my parents are both from new york city my whole family, I'm a small family and they're all from New York city. And when I go to New York city, I am home. Like, it's like, drop me in the middle of the city. I feel I'm home. Like my heart is open. I'm home. And there's so many people who go there and like, I can't stand it here. And it's just all our own resonance and just where, you know, anyway, the point being like when we're in ourselves then we're not projecting. We're just resonating. We're in the moment. And otherwise, which we are probably, unless we're like a monk, most of the time we're not in that place. I mean, my yeah. goal is to be in the most compassionate place as much of the time as I can be. But, you know, if someone's leaving you a mean comment, they're definitely projecting.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, as you were talking, I was just seeing um, how for my, like a big part of my life learning has been um, uncoupling or like uh, uh, repatterning from a tendency to like mirror all the likes of someone. Mm. So that because I'm like avoiding the discomfort that if I do something that they don't like, mm. it's like they don't like me. And yeah. then and then what? You know, like <laughs> <laughs> in like yes.
1: the, the world, you know? Yeah. Like yeah, I'm no longer safe. Oh, I do want to say one more quick thing. Is oh, I no, just recently, okay. we can be flexible. Oh, okay. I had I just recently had a friend breakup. Mm-hmm. And if you had asked me before about it, I would have been like, I mean, like before it ha- if you were like, oh. You're going to have this breakup with this friend and they're gonna be um just like judgy of you and not and um won't wanna like won't have the energy for you. I would have thought I'd be like oh my god, what's that is terrible? No, 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 that's terrible, it's terrible. But I went through it very present. And I was so not only was I fine, I was like, I really was relieved because I felt unconscious. I didn't even realize I was feeling their judgment and then it was gone. And I was so grateful that this friend was out of my life and that, yeah, that fear of like, oh no, what if this person doesn't like me? And that's even a person I really cared about, but it, because I was in my, you know, loving self and compassionate for myself, it wasn't unstable. Like I wasn't unstable because of it.
0: Yeah. In many ways, it's like such an efficient use of our energy to like self-monitor, to avoid doing anything unpleasant, (laughs) unlikable, not okay um, by uh, anyone, you know, like it's this thing. And I I realize more and more that the more I notice I trigger people, the Mm. more I notice like maybe people want to unfollow, unsubscribe. Mm -hmm. It's, it feels to me like evidence that I'm just landing more inside myself Mm. because I was always so careful to avoid triggering anyone and being uh, like repulsive to anyone, you know? Yes. Well, that's
1: that's fawning, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And same, I mean, just same, 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 because I mean, again, for me, I know the root is if I wasn't pleasing to my mom, I was definitely abandoned. I mean, I was abandoned all the time. And those, that feeling as a child was terror. I mean, it was just terror. And so only because I've been bringing that inner child and all the different parts to the present where they're they know this, these parts of me know, like, oh, well, we're safe now, we're safe now. Before a friend breakup like that would have been sent me back to childhood to the past yes. when I wasn't safe if I was broken up with basically. Um, although ironic, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> say defend myself from that situation, but it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the, and guess what? That's energy healing. That's inner child healing. That's all this woo yeah. stuff so. that supported me even, you know, pulling cards or whatever. I don't think I did in that case, but just all the different things flower therapy. I was taking some flower
0: therapy, like all of that. It's just so supported and supportive. So tell, um, so tell me, so tell Moon to Moon listeners, like what getting to know Wu, like what's the spirit of it? What's it for? What does it want to be?
1: What does it want to be? Well, it's basically what I've been talking about, which is, um, Bringing to light all these different modalities. You were a guest. That was great. Um, Oracle cards, astrology. But then also our first episode was about death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my dad recently passed away. And um, I talk about how I dealt with that, which was definitely from a lot of um, woo practices with a lot of woo practice from a woo perspective. Um so it's bringing all of it to light, and also educating and showing how help, like teaching different ways to help yourself through that lens. And I also co-host it with my husband, so he um, is like a. I mean, he's more than a sounding board, but kind of when I'm talking about the actual stuff, he that's what he is. Like he'll ask questions because he comes from uh, he used to be Mormon, so he comes from an exact opposite background. And so he'll have questions, although at this point we're about to celebrate 19 years together. So he's heard of all, <laughs> 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 but he still does have questions. He used to produce my last podcast, which was also very woo and woo-woo. And um, so he learned a lot then, but anyway, so he asks questions and he's, you know, comes from a more scientific background. Um, but then we also talk about just other fun stuff in the opening and we interview people so that's
0: what it is. Yeah the dynamic between the two of you is so wonderful. Aw thanks. I love that episode that we did so
1: much. Oh my god it was great.
0: Yeah really (laughs) felt so yummy and the two of you there it's just I'm so excited Mm -hmm. for this project.
1: Yeah thank you. Yeah and everyone should listen to Britain's
0: episode oh thank you how do you feel was there anything else you might want to add before we close I don't think so yeah no thank
1: you yes um and I guess just if you'll tell people where to find me if they yeah I'll have it in the show notes okay sounds great thank you thank you so much for having me and thank thank you listeners
0: Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being so wise. Thank you for existing and moving through the experiences that you've had. Thank you for being curious about ways to love yourself and support yourself from what you have experienced. Thank you for sharing what you've learned. And thank you for being such a good friend. Listeners, you can connect with Natasha through the various links in the show notes, but as a start, you can go to highestlighthealing.com. You can go to Getting to Know Wu, the podcast, or at Highest Light Healing on in Instagram. Keep your eye out for or pre-order um, Inner Parent- Healing Your Inner Child, Natasha's book, which you can find in Amazon. I've included the link to that as well. You can also learn with Natasha by joining my container, Cave Space, where Natasha has an offering called, um, it's, I don't have it in front of me, but it's like Healing the Energy of Codependency, which is huge. I reached out to her and asked for this specifically because um, codependency is a, this idea of like not feeling safe in our bodies unless things are good with somebody else and like if we are worried that someone's mad at us or that they're unhappy with us in some way like our whole day is like topsy-turvy because our nervous system is so concerned and contracted about getting back to safety with this person if you resonate with that (laughs) like that's some powerful stuff like it really affects the ways we attach in relationship with the people in our lives that we get close to when we have the energetics codependency built into the patterns of how we do contracts and so because it relates very much to themes for cave space which have to do with the eighth house pluto mars scorpio and underground mythological archetypes with trauma with fear with codependency narcissism the shadow, the realm of the unconscious parts of us, really deep stuff. We have this mix of offerings in cave space of a variety of modalities, some light and playful and creative, some deep transmissions, meditations to take you to profound places in your unconscious, some designed to teach you and um, learn with, Natasha's offering on healing codependency energetically in the body is something you can practice again and again and again. You can apply it to your relationship to your mom. Then you can apply it to your relationship to your old friend. You can apply it to the relationship to the person you're dating. Because the, what I've found is that if it's, if it's inherent in one, it's probably in others. And it like, likely came from a caregiver relationship. So, wow, how powerful. I reached out to Natasha, asked her if she could do something like that. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I've been thinking about creating something for codependency. So it worked perfectly as a collaborative um, experience. And Natasha, I'm so grateful. Thank you for sharing your gifts with Cave Space participants All right. Wishing everyone a really beautiful Halloween, a gorgeous cross-quarter holiday. If you celebrate Samhain or Day of the Dead, I'm loving, loving, loving the darkness. I'm loving this rain, which I hope you hear. And I will see you at the next one. Cheers.